Good morning and welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us here on our uh, recording here for Sunday, uh, the 22nd of March. Um, because of the coronavirus and all that's going on around that, we've decided to do a live feed of the service rather uh, than meet together as a church. But hopefully, as we all gather in our homes, as we open the Bible together, as we seek to be instructed in God's Word, as we pray together, uh, even as we maybe sing some of the songs that were on our song list uh, for uh, this Sunday, that we will together as a church enter the throne room of God, come before His courts with singing and with a joyful noise and with open hearts and a desire to please Him. Also, uh, we want to take an opportunity this morning to just pray for our nation, uh, pray for those who have been affected uh, by this virus, pray for their families, especially those, uh, the families of those who have uh, passed away uh, because of this virus. So would you join me as we begin uh, in prayer? Father, we come and we thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to meet as a church in this technological age with this uh, virus that is going on. And, and even with the limitations and even with the constraints, uh, you still are gracious to us and allowing us uh, to meet in this way. We pray that you would use our time in your word to encourage, to strengthen our hearts, uh, to cause us to not live uh, motivated by fear, overwhelmed by fear of what's going on around us, but with great trust in you. Lord, we pray as we uh, open our Bibles this morning that you would uh, use your word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path to guide us through this time. Lord, we do not pray only for us, but we pray for other churches around our nation and around the world who are having to change the way they do things because of this great threat. Lord, we also want to pray for our nation, give wisdom uh, to those in government, to those in our uh, health care, uh, allow them to know the best course that we might take uh, to uh, reduce the amount of fatalities in regard to this virus. Also, we ask that you would continue to uh, give wisdom to those locally, local doctors, local nurses, even those from our congregation as they seek to minister to others, that you would just give wisdom and grace there, protect them as they seek to care for those who may have been infected. We do pray for those who are infected that they would not lose heart. Um, we pray that even as their, uh, their questions might be racing through their mind, that, that you would bring into their life people that would be able to give them your comfort and your hope. And then we pray for the families who have lost individuals, both here in the United States and around the world. Lord, we just ask that you would, again, bring people into their lives to help them to understand death and help them to understand the hope of eternal life that only comes through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that uh, our mission work here in Joliet would be effective even during this time and also the mission work of those around the world. Give grace to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're going to take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. And uh, we're going back to our study here in Colossians, and it's a call to live all of life in thankfulness to God. 
And so here in Paul's letter, as he writes to the Colossians, uh, they're going through a lot, too, in the Roman Empire as a city that's kind of in decline a bit and yet still um, seeking to influence uh, society with the gospel, with Christ. The church here in Colossians is, uh, is Paul's desire to see them grow and demonstrate grace and hope and truth uh, to them. And as we read in the very first verse, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And definitely something, you know, they needed to hear grace and peace and something definitely we need to hear as well, grace and peace from God. And so today we're going to be looking at verse 14 of chapter 1, so just one verse. So if you can open up your Bibles there and follow along as I read. Verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This morning, my main point is this. You are to live in thankfulness to God because He redeemed and forgave you. You are to live in thankfulness to God because He redeemed and forgave you. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at Colossians, and we looked at the verse, verse right before this, and it flows right into us, that, that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. And really, this is a continuation of that thought then, as we've, we've become a part of that kingdom where, where Jesus rules and reigns over His people, over His kingdom, we are those in whom have found in him redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And so we're going to start with a number of questions as always. And the first one is, what is redemption? What is this word redemption? It's a large word. I know growing up in church, uh, I often would hear words like redemption and really not understand them or know what they meant. And so we want to take some time to understand what this word means. Wayne Grudem writes in his Systematic Theology, Christ's saving work, viewed as an act of buying back sinners out of their bondage to sin and to Satan through the payment of a ransom. Let me read that one more time. Christ's saving work, viewed as an act of buying back sinners out of their bondage to sin and to Satan through the payment of of a ransom. Here we see that Christ's saving work is being viewed as in a certain way. It's a certain aspect, it's a certain picture of how to understand or explain the work that Christ has done for us. And as we think of things like redemption and, and, and the last phrase in there, this payment of a ransom, maybe we, we think about kidnapping and the payment of a ransom there or we could think of a pawn shop where you take something of great value and you sell it to a pawnbroker uh, in order to get some money and they will hold it for a certain amount of time so that you might come back and buy it back. We might think of something like slavery or indentured service. Uh, we could even think of commerce where someone buys something and that becomes their own personal property. They own it. They have bought it for themselves. In Scripture, we find that redemption is used quite often. Ephesians 1, 7, Paul writes, In Him 
we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In Romans 3, 23 and 24, we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Or 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or a spot. In each of these, we can see how it is referring to the saving work of Jesus Christ, that he has this role that he plays in ransoming his people back from their sin and from Satan. The second question we're going to ask is why redemption? Well, first of all, humanity is in bondage to the domain of darkness. The domain of darkness, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, was the domain of sin, the domain of Satan, and the domain of eternal death. That sin within us is this darkness, and God is light, and in him there is no darkness. That Satan is the prince of the power of the air over this dark world that seeks to be hostile towards God and his kingdom. That ultimately darkness comes in eternal death where we are separated from God for an eternity. And humanity is in this kind of bondage. As we see in verse 13, we had to be delivered from the domain of darkness because we were in bondage to it. Then I had to ask who sold humanity into bondage? I mean, how did we get to this place of bondage? Well, as we look in Scripture, God did not sell us into bondage. Satan actually doesn't sell us into bondage either. Sin does not even sell us into bondage. Death does not even sell us into bondage. Rather, what we find is that humanity itself sold itself into bondage. And and that's really where a lot of the things we normally think of break down. You know, when we go to a pawn shop, we are pawning something of value. So if I were to pawn my ring here, You know, the ring would be representative of humanity being sold off and therefore needing to be bought back. And I'm the one doing the selling. But when we come to Scripture, what we find is that humanity itself sells itself into bondage. We see that Adam and Eve, when given the choice to live according to God's ways or to do what they wanted themselves, they chose to sin. They chose chose to follow Satan. They chose death, which God said would occur if they sinned over life. And in turn, all of humanity is plunged into this bondage. Now, you might think, well, it's Adam's fault then, or it's Eve's fault. They're the ones who sold humanity into sin. But each one of us demonstrates in our life when we sin that we too would have made the same choice that Adam did. We too want to live our own way. And so Adam 
faithfully represented us when he ate of the tree. Eve faithfully represented us when she ate of the tree. We are all sinners and we all fall short of God's glory. And here's the big problem. We can't buy ourselves back. Apart from God's work, we don't even want to buy ourselves back. We willingly choose to sin because sin is actually what we desire. And God in His justice, in His responsibility as Creator, He created us, we've rebelled against Him, and taking responsibility for us, what does He do? He he grants our very wishes, gives us over to our desires that results both in temporal and eternal consequences. That there is death in this life, and we will all die physically but not only that we face a numerous amount of consequences for our sins every day broken relationships would be one of them a loss of employment because we're dishonest or something like that would be another these kind of temporal consequences that we face in life because of our sin but then there's eternal consequences as well not just will we die physically but we will die eternally separated from god forever never to enjoy the god who is love and joy and peace. We cannot buy ourselves back. We cannot buy ourselves back out of this domain of darkness. We are in it. We chose willingly to be in it, and now we are stuck in it. And in fact, we read about God giving us over to our own desires in Romans 1. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him But they became futile in their thinkings, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. In fact, Paul goes on to say uh, a number of times more that God has given them up to their different desires to sin. And this is the result of our selling ourselves into bondage, as sinners sold, selling ourselves into the slavery of sin and of Satan and of eternal death. We reap the consequences. And that's why we need redemption. We need to be bought back. But again, the big problem is we cannot buy ourselves back. Which leads us to the third question. Who needs to be redeemed? Well, maybe you feel like in the second question, I've kind of answered that, but I just want to be really clear about who needs to be redeemed. The first letter A there, everyone under the domain of darkness needs to be redeemed. And the fact is, none of us are better off than anyone else in this regard. All of humanity is under the domain of darkness. 
Now, some have great benefits like a Christian home or a church that faithfully preaches God's word, interactions with other Christians, and even the Bible in their language that's readily available for them to read. Yet with all of these advantages, each human being starts life in the domain of darkness. Therefore, each and every human being needs redemption. You need to be bought back. You need to be brought out of this domain of darkness. Now, maybe you don't even know it. Maybe you think that you're serving on the good side. Maybe you think that you're, you're trying to live right. You're attending church. You're doing an honest day's work. You're faithful to your spouse and your kids. You're getting good grades. You're speaking nicely to those in authority, whether it's your parents or your teachers or anyone else. And yet, and, and you're thinking, well, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of a good guy. I'm actually on the right side here. But that is like thinking Sauron is the true king of Middle Earth. That's like thinking that Darth Vader is truly the defender of the galaxy. He's not, Voltron is, but we all know that, at least the nerds that are in here. And then that Voldemort is the true champion of wizard kind, that Thanos will be the generous and benevolent ruler of the universe. If we think we don't need redemption, if we think we're already on the right side, apart from Jesus Christ, apart from a work of God, then we've got the story of humanity all backwards. We've got it completely reversed. And all we have to do to set the story straight is to take an honest look at our own lives. Let her be there. Everyone who needs their sins forgiven need to be redeemed. We just have to look at our own lives and see how our lives are riddled with sin. Have we ever lied, stolen, cheated? Have we lusted after someone else? Have we, have we, um, have we uh, taken advantage of other people? Have we lived selfishly? Now, ultimately, the law of God uh, ascribes the first commandment and the second commandment as this, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And that is a tall order. And to fall short in anything, in any way of loving God with everything that we have and loving uh, someone else, living selfishly and lying, cheating, stealing, whatever, any falling short in any one area breaks the very law of God and declares us to be truly sinners. It's not just that we've broken one, but that we've broken his law many, many, many times. That we are radically sinful to our very core. Every part is tainted with sin. And anyone who needs their sins forgiven needs to be redeemed. They need to be bought back. I mean, you may think you have a good life. You may think you're living a good life. But apart from the redemption that Jesus Christ brings, you are still in the domain of darkness and your future is an eternity of darkness separated from God. Our fourth question 
And the text here is who then redeems. As we've looked at this word of redemption and, and what it is and why, why we need it and who needs it, now we look at who redeems. And we see here letter A, these first two words in our verse, in whom. And that is a reference to the last verse where it ends with the kingdom of his beloved son. That God has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom, in him, in Jesus, this beloved son of God sent to us by God the Father, given to us as a gift so that he might what? Redeem us. It is Jesus Christ who brings redemption. He is the agent of our salvation the one who has come to bring about this buying back of God's people. Not only is he the agent of our salvation, but he's also the instrument of God for our deliverance. When all was lost, because every weapon we have used and every strategy we have tried has failed to redeem us, to buy us back from sin and Satan and eternal death, God sent his son. In fact, We read that in Isaiah 59. It says here, God saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Basically what the the prophet Isaiah here, as he quotes God's words to his people, he's saying God looked, God looked to find someone who would stand and intercede between him and humanity and there was no one. That's why Paul writes, there's none who does good. No, not one. There's none who seeks after God. And he goes on to say, then his own arm, God's own arm, brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. And according to their deeds, so he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And then notice this, verse 20, and he will redeem his people. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And there was no one save humanity because we could not redeem ourselves we could not buy ourselves back god sent his son jesus christ the redeemer to us and we see that this redeemer comes and fulfills these three roles that have been promised and that have been foreshadowed throughout uh, the old testament and throughout human history jesus comes as the true prophet jesus completely revealed the will of God for our redemption and to put an end to all prophecies and to all revelations by this completed revelation that our salvation is found in Jesus alone. That He is the light who has come to be the life of men. Jesus also fulfilled the role as priest. Jesus was the true priest. And Jesus presents himself before God in order to intercede on our behalf for God's favor 
And he is the means of obtaining the grace of God and of appeasing God's anger by offering himself as an agreeable sacrifice to God. And now, this is the one that we would often think of when we think about redemption. That as, as prophet, he proclaims to us where true redemption is, but as priest, he accomplishes our redemption. He gives himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in offering himself as an agreeable sacrifice to God, he is able to redeem us, to buy us back. But not only that, Jesus is also the true King. And we looked at this a couple weeks ago when we looked at the fact that we've been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. That this is the kingdom in which Jesus rules. And we know that Jesus brings righteousness and life as he governs us by his word and his spirit. He keeps and upholds the redemption which his, he has acquired for us. This is, this is the power that Jesus wields as king. And this is, this is here and now. This is the spiritual kingdom that exists right now. That that kingdom has already come. And, and now it, it has a, a further fulfillment yet to come. But, but as we wait for that further fulfillment, we need to understand that, that, that the, the gifts, the benefits, that the blessings, that the advantages that, that come from, from being a part of the kingdom of His beloved Son are also here now. He reigns spiritually, giving righteousness and life to us through His Word and through His Spirit, upholding us by His kingly power. Jesus is the one who redeems us. If we put our hope in anything else and in anyone else, we will not find redemption. And in turn, if verse 14 is not true of us, if we are not finding our redemption in Jesus Christ, then in turn, what is also true, that if we have not been redeemed by the beloved Son, then God the Father has not yet delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. That it is redemption, this buying back so that we come out of darkness into light, come out of this domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what we need, that this buying back of us, and we can't do it ourselves, and no one else can accomplish us, it for us except for Jesus Christ. Which leads us to question number five. Why is this redemption then linked to the forgiveness of sin? And it's gloriously good that it's linked to the forgiveness of sin. In redemption, we see that we are made right with God. We are, we are brought into this right, bought back into a right relationship with Him. We are bought back so that we might exist in His family, a part of Him, so that to the end being redeemed, we can be justified and sanctified, adopted into His family. And now we can live in the full blessing of being a part of God's family. Without the redemption, there's not even a possibility of forgiveness. God cannot justly and righteously let the guilty go unpunished. Instead, what do we have? Jesus bearing our punishment, paying the price for our freedom from darkness. Redemption makes us God's people again. 
And therefore, redemption is the basis for forgiveness. Without it, we won't have forgiveness. But if all we gain is redemption, and we don't gain forgiveness, we may think that while we are His people, that God remains angry with us for our past sins, our present sins, our future sins, and He knows all of them. You know, he's not surprised by any of the future sins that you committed or even the present sins you're committing right now. God knows all our sins. And in fact, when buying us back, what the glorious thing about forgiveness is that he is forgiving us of all our sins, past, present, and future. And so lest we think that he might remain angry with us, Redemption and forgiveness are tied closely together here. That redemption is the basis for forgiveness. Without it, we can't have forgiveness. Yet forgiveness is the substance of redemption. The substance of our redemption is that God is reconciling with us. We are reconciling with Him. He is He is coming into a relationship with us through through the work of His Son, through the cost of His Son's life, so that He might be able to call us His people, and we might be able to call Him our God, that He might be able to call us His sons and daughters, and we might be able to call Him Father, that that He might be able to look on us as a holy, pure bride because we have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ who redeems us and that we might look at Him as a loving, heavenly Father. In fact, as we look from, through Scripture, we can see that, that even while God is a holy God who hates sin, who cannot let the guilty go unpunished, yet through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, in paying the penalty for us, in buying us back, God offers His forgiveness. One of my favorite uh, sections of Scripture is from Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. It says this, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of His inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love and he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. See, here he's not denying our sinfulness. Not denying where we come from. The domain of darkness. Hearts that hated God, that rebelled against Him. It doesn't deny that. But what does it tell us? That when we are bought back by God, when we are brought back into a relationship with Him through the work of Jesus Christ, as we put our faith and trust in Him, as we looked at in verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, When that happens, we find forgiveness. We don't find a God who's kind of ticked at us a little bit because we had gone out of line. We find a God who's graciously forgiven 
And not only that, it says he will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will throw them down and he will trample on them. But not only that, it says he will cast our sin into the depths of the sea. Not denying that they exist, but no longer allowing them to break our relationship with him. That's what comes about when we are bought back by the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sin. But not only that, listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 103, 10 and 12, 10 through 12. He does not deal with us according to our sin, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. When God redeems us and the forgiveness of sin occurs, he removes those transgressions as far as as the east is from the west. That's to say, as far as possible. As far as it could possibly be removed, God removes that as a hindrance in our relationship with Him. Or Psalm 32, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Again, He's He's not denying the fact that we're sinners, that we need a covering. We need the blood of Jesus Christ. But blessed is the one who through that covering finds forgiveness of their sins. This is the hope that God grants to us. This is is what Paul is wanting to point this church in Colossae too, where they can find both grace and peace from God. It's from being delivered out of the domain of darkness, being transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son, because Jesus redeems us and forgives us of all our sins. We look at question, or, or our comment at number six, how do we connect this to everyday life? Well, first, we can start by standing in awe and wonder of your Redeemer. When was the last time you considered redemption, where you came from, and where you've been bought back from, and who bought you? When you begin to look at him in awe and wonder like a superhero who has come to save the day because you had no way of saving yourself. The, the one who rides in at the exact moment when your defeat is guaranteed and imminent, and yet he comes in and saves the day. This is Jesus. This is what he's done, and we are meant to stand in awe and wonder of him. This kind of redeemer that we have. Not only that, let it be. Know that your redemption brings forgiveness of all your sins. We're going to sin. That's true. We struggle with sin. We wrestle with it. And as you're confined to your home with a bunch of other people, maybe, you're going to probably sin. That's just something that happens when you're all enclosed together. You've got a bunch of sinners sinning against each other. But here's what this text is seeking to convey to you, that if you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, those sins... Those sins need not hinder your relationship with God. As we read in 1 John, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? 
Well, that text tells us it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we've been redeemed, God forgives. He knows all your sin. So you can come. You can come and confess and know and know that there is forgiveness. There's not a God who is ticked off that, that you have rebelled against him for so long and just have now come back to him because he purchased you with his own son's blood and now he's holding that against you. No, there is forgiveness. Forgiveness of all your sin. Then let her see express satisfaction in your prophet, priest, and king. You need to be reminded of your redemption. Listen to the words of God in his book. Allow Jesus, your prophet, to use the word and the spirit to confirm to you redemption, to confirm to you forgiveness of sin. That it only comes through him. And trust, trust in him as your prophet. That satisfied in him alone is the one who speaks words that are wholly true. But also, express satisfaction in your priest. You know, we, we, we are currently in a Lent, Lent, Lenten season, so many people practicing Lent, and unfortunately for many people, they think that somehow their giving up of something is actually infusing grace into their life, that somehow they're earning favor with God. But we have one high priest, and we have one sacrifice, and that's Jesus Christ, that he died once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And we're not meant to find our satisfaction in any other sacrifice. Now, God, God may call us to give up certain things. God may call us to live sacrificially, but that's not to earn his favor. That's just to follow him as our leader, which leads us to being satisfied with him as king. As part of his kingdom, we now have opportunity to live according to his will and his way, live out his righteousness, live, live out his life. And in fact, as the world around us may be moving more and more towards chaos, we have even more of an opportunity to shine as a light on a hill. More opportunity to be salt and light in this world. We can follow our King. And we know He's trustworthy. We don't have to live in fear. We can live by faith. We can walk this chaotic road knowing we're following the one who is worthy of all our trust. If we truly have placed our eternal destiny in his hands, then what is it to place this mortal life in his hands as well? Let us be satisfied in our prophet, priest, and king. Therefore, as I said at the beginning, you are to live in thankfulness to God because he redeemed and forgave you. Let us not forget that this, this opportunity right now, with everything that's going on, is an opportunity for us to declare our thankfulness in a God who has already redeemed and forgave us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and truth here, the peace that is offered to us in your word. Lord, we thank you for your use of the Apostle Paul in writing this so that we might, we might think again about the redemption that comes to us in Jesus Christ and how glorious a Redeemer He is. 
that we would not miss our need, desperate need for redemption. Lord, if there's anyone watching this right now, Lord, I, that needs to be redeemed, that has not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Lord, may, may you direct them to Jesus Christ through your word. Lord, may you direct them to contact us so that we might encourage them and help them in understanding the gospel clearly and that their faith might be in your Son, Jesus Christ, alone. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. As a people who do not deserve to be bought back, more than that, do not to be bought back in such a way that we're reconciled so that there's no, nothing you're holding against us. As, as sinful as we are, even after being bought back, as sinful as we often are, and yet, and yet you, you reconcile yourself to us and you treat us as a loving father treats, treats his children. And, and there's no, no more fear of eternal damnation, but rather grace upon grace. And sometimes it may take the form of discipline, but it's loving discipline to bring us back, to teach us, to grow us. Lord, we don't deserve this kind of love. And yet this is the kind of love you've lavished upon us. And I pray that we would find our satisfaction in it. Lord, we pray that our chaotic world would not find peace in anything but your Son, Jesus Christ. Pray that our chaotic hearts would not be satisfied with peace in anything save in our great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We pray this in His name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope that this has been a blessing. And like I said in my prayer, if you have any questions, uh, if you'd like to contact us, we'd love to speak with you. Um, you can uh, go to our website, glcjoliet.org, and uh, you can uh, look under there and contact us uh, from there, or uh, you can give us a call at 815-727-3130, and we would be more than happy uh, to speak with you, to answer any questions, and to share the love of Christ with you. We thank you so much.